0: Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm so glad that you're watching today's message. I believe it'll be a blessing to you. I believe it'll encourage you. It'll strengthen you and empower you to make Jesus famous in your everyday life. Enjoy today's message, and I'll see you at the end of the broadcast. Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8, we're in our May challenge. We called it our no longer mere mortal May challenge. And what we're encouraging you to do this month is to every day pray the Ephesians 1 prayer. The Ephesians 1 prayer is found in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16 through 23. You're supposed to pray for yourself and your sphere of influence and personalize it. If you have any questions on how to personalize it afterwards, Pastor Kurt will love to walk you through it and share share with you how to do it. But it's very simple. It's found in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16 through verse 23. And the second part of the challenge is to read a chapter of Proverbs every single day. There's 31 chapters in Proverbs, 31 days in May. So read the chapter with the corresponding date. And then number three was take time every single day to invest in your calling and what God has called you to do. And so it may be five minutes here. You may have five minutes today, but you may have an hour tomorrow. The goal is to take time every single day. So whether you need to fill out some paperwork for the business you need to do, maybe you need to research, research something, maybe you need to learn a new language, whatever it is you already know that's on your heart, you know to do, take time every day to move it forward. And don't be frustrated, it's like, oh, I only had two minutes today. Well, that's two minutes invested that you didn't do yesterday. So well, I missed yesterday, well, just don't miss two days. The goal is to start this momentum and keep moving forward so you can advance what God's called you to do. You know, one of the things I shared maybe on Faith in the Morning or a few weeks ago that I remember Dad Hagen used to say this way. Many people live and die and never get into phase one of what God called them to do. Don't let that be you. There is a preparation season. There is a preparation phase. But there comes a time when you have to go from preparation into phase one. And if you're continually investing into your call, into your career, to what God has called you to do, then you'll go through the different phases. And as you go through the different phases, you'll run into more and more grace. But let's go to Proverbs chapter 8, starting verse 14. One of the things you learn when you read through the book of Proverbs, you see it in chapter 1, and you see it in chapter 8 in other places, wisdom in the book of Proverbs is personified. Some translations call the lady wisdom. And so in the book of Proverbs, there's the personification of wisdom, and we can call her lady wisdom, but there's also someone else personified, and it calls her the foolish woman. We're supposed to follow the example of lady wisdom and not do what the foolish woman says to do. Because the scripture says the foolish woman sends people to hell. As the people follow, they don't realize that all her guests are in hell. So we don't want to follow her. That is a dinner party reservation, nope, 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 I have plans. It's so what plans? It doesn't matter. I got plans. So you have plans? Don't say that. Nope, we have plans. We ain't going to the foolish woman's house. But we will follow the example of lady wisdom. And so here in chapter 8, is being personified. And it says, starting with verse 14. Well, we'll get back up to verse 12. It says, I wisdom dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. The fear of the Lord, which is the reverence of God, it doesn't mean to be afraid of God, but it's the reverential awe and respect toward God. Is to hate evil, pride, the arrogance, and the evil way, and the foremath do I hate. Counsel is mine, S- and sound wisdom. I am understanding, I have strength. By me, wisdom kings reign. So if you want to reign and rule, you need wisdom. Or at least you should have wisdom, but that's another topic for another day. And princes decree justice. By me, princes rule. And nobles, even all the judges of the earth. I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Riches and honor are with me, yea, durable riches and honor. My fruit, or what I produce, is better than gold, yea, better than fine gold, and my revenue better than choice silver. I lead in the way of righteousness and in the midst of the pass of judgment, that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance, and I will fill their treasures. Now, here's where we want to get to, verse 22. The Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way before his works of old. I was set up from everlasting, from the beginning over or ever the earth was. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. And when there were no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills was I brought forth. While I was yet, while I was yet, he had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the highest parts of the dust of the world. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he set a compass upon the face of the depth, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he gave this to the sea his decree that the waters should not pass his commandment, when he appointed the foundations of the earth, then I was by him as one brought up with him. I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in the habitable part of his earth, and my delights were with the sons of men. So it was a very poetic way to say that God created the world with wisdom and that his wisdom was in the inhabited part of the earth and his wisdom was with the creation he created to rule this planet and so we're going to look at today the wisdom of dominion the wisdom of dominion so go with me to genesis chapter one so proverbs is referring to it so let's go to genesis chapter one if you want to be a good bible student when you see the bible refer to something you go and read what it referred to so that's going to take time exactly Genesis chapter 1. We'll start with verse 26. And I'll show you how it applies to your life. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, let them have dominion. Say, have dominion. Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cat, over all the earth. Say all the earth. all the earth. And then over every creepy thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Say subdue it. Subdue. Have dominion. Once again, say have dominion. have dominion. Over the fish of the sea over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So let's give you some terms. This phrase, have dominion, means to rule and it means to subjugate. This word, have dominion, this phrase, have dominion, means to rule and it means to subjugate. Say rule, rule. subjugate. subjugate. So the word rule here means to exercise ultimate power and authority over The word rule means to exercise ultimate power and authority over. The word subjugate means to bring under domination or control. The word subjugate means to bring under domination or control. We also saw the word subdue here in verse 28, which means to bring into subjection and keep under. Not just bring it to subjection, keep it there. So you know what? This is giving us a whole different understanding of what the world was like at the beginning. But before I break that down, go to chapter 2. Look at verse 15. Verse 15 says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. Say, tend and keep it. One more time. Say, tend and keep it. The word tend means to work or to cultivate. Say, cultivate. Come on, online, put it in the chat. Say, cultivate. The word keep means to guard or care for, so say guard. Online, put it in the chat, I'll say it again, say guard. So we began to dive into this on Wednesday and we talked more about rule. But one of the things I want you to understand as we talked about on Wednesday night is that the garden wasn't the entire planet. It was a large garden. It wasn't like a garden in your backyard. It was a huge area that most likely covered parts of the Middle East, parts of Africa, and stretching up. It was a huge area. That word garden in chapter two means an enclosed garden. That means it was fenced in by something. So that means it was protected. Well, why would you have to protect it? There is something outside that you need to subdue. There's something outside you need to subjugate. There's something outside you have to keep under. Hint, hint, there is a snake coming. And so when the snake came in, notice, although it was being influenced and used by the devil, Adam had dominion over that snake. Now he knew that serpent shouldn't have been there. Well, why? Who named the serpent? Adam. He knew exactly where it's supposed to be. See, there's some stuff in your life that you know are not supposed to be there, but you let it talk to you anyways. You've been having conversation with snakes, and y'all hate snakes. If a snake showed up in your backyard, you would freak out, kill it, chop its head off. But let a serpent come into your life to tell you, did God really say it? He began to listen to it just because they're on Instagram. Or just because they hold a political office. Or just because they're in your political party. You listen to spiritual snakes, but you hit physical snakes. And I ain't calling no human a snake. I'm talking about the spirit you be entertaining. Because the devil won't show up as a snake because most of us hate snakes. Anybody like snakes in here? I don't. I don't like snakes. I don't like bugs. They got to go. So he's not going to show up in a way that he knows you're going to reject. He's not going to show up with a pitchfork and a tail and red horns. That's not what he's going to do. How will he show up? In a way you'll receive it. Or he'll talk to you in a way that sounds like you. Deceiving spirits, lying spirits, harassing spirits. What voice are you listening to? Because just because it's religious doesn't mean it's Jesus. Ooh, I felt something. Could be gas. <laughs> Everything you hear, you got to take it back to the Word of God. What does the Scripture say? Not what goosebump did you get? What does the Word say? That's how you shut down the foolishness of the serpent. What does the Word say? He says, did God really say? Yes, God really said. Because notice what the serpent did in chapter 3. He began to question God's motives. He says, well, if you eat the tree of good and eat knowledge of good and evil, then you'll be as gods. They already were. Who had dominion over the planet? Adam and Eve. They had ultimate power over the planet. They were the gods of this world. Well, how do you know that? Because 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says Satan, the lowercase g, god of this world, blinds those who are in darkness, right? How did he get that title, that position, that authority? Adam. So notice also they had an identity crisis. They didn't know who they were. Because if they know, knew who they were, they could have shut down like, no, we, we have the power. We have the authority. We have the dominion. We don't need to question God's care for us because he's already given us the authority. But if you don't know who you are, you will fall for the lies of the serpent every single time. There's too many people in the body of Christ having an identity crisis. Not understanding that once you are born again, everything changed. Once you're born again, you're no longer a mere mortal. Once you've been born again, you've been given authority and dominion. But are you using what you've been given? You have authority of the devil. He will mess with you. But sometimes he comes to mess with you because he knows you don't know who you are. Send a little demonic imp to talk to you. And you think, oh, I can't beat the devil. And the demon goes, yeah, yeah, you can't beat us. Yeah, yeah, you can't beat us. And if you just resist it once, it'd fly away. But if you don't know who you are and you settle for bad religion, you'll be dominated by the devil even though you have dominion. I'm not saying one day you'll get dominion. You got it now. We talked about on midweek for a month, Jesus gave you the right to use his name. That word name means the authority and the character thereof. So in the name of Jesus, you have the authority to stop what Satan tries to do in your life. The scripture tells you to resist the devil and he will flee from you. Well, Satan's not running. Well, are you really resisting? He said, well, I'm resisting. I've been resisting a long time. Well, the scripture says right before that, submit to God. So if the devil's not running from you, I either question your resistance or your submission. Oh, I'm submitted to God. Really? He said, forgive that person. Well, God, that's too far. Let's not talk about even the entire word of God, even though we could. Let's talk about what he's been telling me to do lately. What he's been dealing with even right now. Let's not talk about 15 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Let's just talk about in the last month. Have you submitted to God what he's been telling you to do in the last month? No. That's why that demon's still there. You've been resisting it, doing your faith confessions, rebuking, shouting, dancing, running, bucking, all the doing backflips, everything. And the devil's still there. Your submission. Because what happens is we go, oh, I can't submit to the entire Word of God. I don't know the whole Word of God. Paul, stop freaking out. Read the Word every day, do what it's telling you to do. And where the Holy Ghost is leading you, do what He says then your submission will remain intact. And then when you resist, the enemy will flee. Well, how long do I resist until the devil runs? Dominion has to be consistently activated and acted in and applied for it to be effective. So when we looked at this definitions for authority in dominion, We see you must rule, you must subjugate, you must cultivate, and you must guard. Say rule, subjugate, cultivate, guard. All of those things flow from your dominion and your authority. So let's use this example. If you have a house, you have a yard. It may be a large yard, maybe a small yard, front yard, backyard, whatever. You have dominion over your yard. But do you know what sometimes dominion looks like in your yard? Cutting it. (laughs) Or hiring someone to cut it. Removing the weeds or having somebody else remove the weeds. So what does having dominion over your, your yard look like? Cultivating it. Say cultivate. Can I mess with your religion real quick? Can I just mess with it real quick? And I want to get right in your faces with this. I know Daniel's going to mess with the views and not looking good online. But the Garden of Eden, God gave it to Adam and Eve, right? And the instructions was to tend it, right? Which means cultivate it, right? Do you know what one of the definitions of cultivate is? Improve. Whoa, 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 whoa. Improve. The Eden is called the Garden of God. And he put Adam and Eve there and told them, improve it. That lets you know, let let me tell you about the heart of your father. Garden of Eden was supposed to be the starting place, the base, or to say another way, the worst mankind was ever supposed to experience. The worst. They were supposed to cultivate it, make it better the earth subdue the earth make that better that was the original command to man and it has not changed you say well my life doesn't look like the garden but you have a life anybody have life you may not be enjoying life but anybody got life i see y'all y'all responding y'all got life y'all online you got life so cultivate what you've been given Now, don't go, well, I I don't have what everybody else has. You know, I was telling one of my kids this week, I said, if you always focus on what someone else has what someone else is doing, you won't be stable or happy. And so many people are unstable because they're not looking inside to what the Spirit of God is telling them. They're looking at somebody else. A lot of people's faith is not working. It's because their faith is not in the Word of God. It's in what God told somebody else to do. Now, the Scripture tells us to follow those who are examples of faith and patience. So we should have people we follow. We follow their faith. We follow their patience and their endurance. But it says follow their faith. Well, where does faith come from? Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the Word of God, right? So that means to follow their faith, you must follow what God said. And God told them to do something. But did he tell you to do it? Well, I'm not going to have surgery because prophet so-and-so or bishop so-and-so didn't have that surgery. That's what God told them to do. Did God tell you that? Well, I'm not going to go to the doctor because Apostle didn't go to the doctor. Did God tell you not? Well, no, you better take your butt to the doctor. What did God tell you? Not what he told somebody else. What is he telling you? Well, that means I got to pray. Exactly. Oh, that means I have to have my own spiritual life. Exactly. You must hear from God for yourself. Because God will give you the specifics where your call is concerned. There are general things that every person in the body of Christ is supposed to do. There's a general way to live. But the specifics for your life, for your family, will come from the Holy Ghost who lives on the inside of you. But you got to ask him. That's why the says, acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your path. But have you been acknowledging him? Have you been asking him about stuff? Or have you just been just going along with it, believing whatever they put on TV? Or well, I don't watch TV, social media. Same thing. Have you asked him? Specific, well, sir, how should I raise my job? Have you asked them, or are you just copying whatever's trending? Well, you got multiple kids. Well, ask him about each one. Your kids are different. They have different callings. There's specifics. Ask him. He'll tell you things about them. And it doesn't mean you're supposed to go tell your kid about it. He'll tell you what to tell them what not to. So that when your kid gets older and come back to you, say, I believe this is what God has called me to do. He says, yeah, he told me about that. And he can help them on that path. But you got to ask God some questions. He's not afraid of your questions. He wants you to ask him questions. But he wants you to remain there long enough so he can teach you. Because what happens, we get so excited when we hear from God. Come on, anybody get excited when you hear God talk? Come on, you know you get excited when you hear God talk. Like, oh, he said something to me. So we rejoice, we shout, we dance, and we run off and do it. Whoa, whoa, pause, it's good. Make sure he's finished talking. Like, bruh, like sometimes, you know, we do pretty good here, but we, sometimes we don't mind. And when he's talking, especially through the vocal gifts, the inspirational gifts, tongues of interpretation, tongues of prophecy, don't shout until he's done. Because if he shout early, you'll he miss it. He's still talking. Let him finish. And when he's done, then he rejoice. Because sometimes we just get so excited will miss out on the part of the instruction. There's a time and place for everything. And it's important for us to hear so we can obey. But we have to take time to hear. And not just in the church house, but every day. And so we're all different. We have different ways that we hear. You know, I shared with us when I was doing the recording with Sid Roth and other people that when I was growing up, one of the ways I heard from God very clearly was when I was playing video games. You're like, that's not spiritual. No, nope. But he would talk so clear. So you know what I did? I would bring my prayer journal to my PlayStation. Said, if he's going to talk, I can hit pause and I'll write it down. But that's that's when I knew I'm going to hear from him. So there are different times that you know you hear from God the clearest. Wherever that is, you make time for that. For me now, sometimes when I'm walking, I'll hear from him. He said, Well, it's not the prayer closet. Yes, have a prayer closet. Yes, pray. Yes, intercede. Yes, do all those things. But your job now after that is to live open and not be frustrated just because you didn't hear something in your prayer closet or your prayer chair or whatever you do. Live open. One of the things we talk about wisdom is wisdom's always there reaching out all throughout the day. Live open. Say, Live open. Go throughout your day listening. Some say, well, "I hear God the best when I drive." Well, go for a drive. Well, gas is high. Well, believe God for extra money, so you keep driving. Where do you hear from God? Pay attention to your own life and stop making it so deep. So, well, ha- everything has to be calm and quiet and peaceful to hear from God. I got four children. It doesn't happen that often. Sometimes I wake up early just to hear the quiet. It happened yesterday. It was just, oh, it was just so quiet and peaceful. It didn't last long, but it was quiet for a little bit. <laughs> but do you know what I learned? That God will talk to me even though I have a whole bunch of kids running around. I remember one day, I was, it was a Saturday, I was praying over the message for the next day, the series was about to start. And so and my kids, at that time, I think they were, they were three and five and they were one was on one leg and one was literally on the other. They're playing a game they called boots where I have to walk around with them and they're my boots for the day. And so they're literally holding on and I'm talking to God in my heart about the series. And he shows me a vision about what he's gonna do in the series. Just in my heart a mini vision shows me. It's like okay we got it. So well you weren't in a spiritual place. You weren't fully concentrated. No, no I wasn't but what was I doing? Living open. He's with me. See, you have a savior who gets it. Isn't that what Hebrew tells us? That he's, he understands it. He's someone who could be touched, to understood, because he lived this life. Your savior gets it. Your savior gets it when you have an attitude. Don't look at me like you don't have no attitudes. You know you got some attitudes. Some of y'all had some attitudes right before you walked in this building, and I see you had those doors like, praise the Lord, hallelujah, oh, glory to Jesus. You know you had an attitude. He gets you. Just don't stay there. Just be honest. Like, God, I, I know I'm tripping. Just, just help me. Just help me. You, you, you know me, and I know you. I need your help in this moment so I don't hurt one of your creations. Well, y'all look at me like that? You know you, some of y'all need to start praying that way. to help y'all. Some Somebody help y'all stop cussing people out. So why Ephesians says, no, Ephesians, you know, Ephesians, We look at all these different churches, one of the best churches in the New Testament times was the church at Ephesus. They were the standard bearers. But Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, let no corrupt communication come out your mouth. Stop cussing Christians. And they were one of some of the trendsetters, like, this is watch your mouth. <laughs> so I don't cuss, but some of you gossip. So. That's why he said to the Thessalonians, stop gossiping, go to work. So y'all stop working, you'll just go to everybody's house and gossip and stop, go get a job and go to work. That's what Paul told the Thessalonians. See, y'all gotta read the Bible, not just like, oh, thus and thou and read. So people are like that, yes, back then, yes. People are people. Come on, say it with me, say, people are People. No matter the generation, no matter the age, no matter, people are people. That's why I'm glad the word stays the same. Because we got issues. Some of you got a whole subscription. We got issues. We need the word. You never mature to a point where you don't need the word. If you ever think, well, I don't know so much, now I don't need the Bible, you are now following Lady Fool to hell. Come wise in your own eyes. and Fire on your butt. I'm like, dude, you can't do that. You got to stick with the word. Oh, man. Here go back to the pulpit. Hold on a second. <laughs> That's right. Cultivate what you've been given. Cultivate what you've been given. Cultivate what you've been given. Live open to hear the direction from the Spirit of God. He gets you. Be real with Him. So many people have taken the word of faith and turned it into the word of fake. Because you go into the presence of God pretending. The presence of God is not the place to pretend, it's not the place to put on your show, it's not the place to ignore your emotions. It's the perfect place to process your emotions. And see, here's where faith kicks in. You come to God, you read the Psalms, because sometimes David is talking about some stuff like, dog, you had a rough day. Like, bruh, you had a really, really, you read some of the first verses of the Psalms like, David, I know you're in heaven now, but I feel bad for you now. You had a rough day. And sometimes you read the descriptions above. It says, happens right after he pretended to be crazy in the presence of the king. Happened right after his son tried to kill him. Like, it's like, dude, this is rough. But notice, he'd come before God, pour out his soul. But by the end of the song, he was in victory. What is that? Faith. I'm coming to the presence of God one way. God, this is what's going on with me, but I know your word. I know your character. I know your faithfulness. I know what you said is going to come to pass. I know your promise is true, so I choose to believe what you said, and by the time I leave your presence, my perspective is different because my faith is working. That is the word of faith taking his word, believing his word, speaking his word, acting his word, acting like his word is true. That is the word of faith. You coming into the presence of God, saying, so, oh, yes, nothing's wrong with me, God. Oh, I don't want to make a negative confession. Nothing is wrong. Glory to Jesus. Hiya. Mm, amen. That is the word of fake. The word of faith is coming into how you are, pouring out your soul where you are. Believing God where you are. And because his word is true, you come out of his presence talking different. I am what he says I am. I am anointed. I am graced. I am equipped. I do have dominion. I am this. I am that. Not because I feel it, but because he said so. It has nothing to do about what I feel. It has everything to do with what he said. So I choose to identify. Well, how do you identify as a new creature in Christ Jesus? That's how I identify. How do you identify the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? How do you identify as the anointed? How do you identify as the blessed? How do you identify as a son of God? Why? That is what the Word says. And if you do that, you won't have an identity crisis. And he won't fall for the lies of the serpent. And so when the serpent comes in to say something, he's like, No, shut up. That's the dominion kicking in. And part of that dominion is cultivating what you've been given. So that means you gotta pay attention to what you got. And he can't say, Oh, well, I don't have anything. You know, you got something. Back to the parable of the talents. There was one person who was given one, one three, one five. The person was given five talents, and these weren't abilities, they so were actually large sums of money, millions of dollars. The one took five and made five more. The one took three made three more, but the one who didn't like he was given one had an attitude problem because somebody else had five, someone else had three, he went and hit his and did nothing with it. And when he stood before the king, And the king looked at him said you wicked and lazy servant remember the word wicked means twisted so when we think about wicked we always say well wicked is evil and yes it's connected to that but wicked means twisted so that means there's a little bit of truth but it's been twisted you've seen a wicker chair so he's saying your thinking is twisted and you're lazy Whoo, jesus did not pull any punches on that parable And he said, I'm going to judge you by the words of your own mouth. You said I was a harsh man that I always expect production. Well, if you believe that, why did you take what I've given you and put it in the bank so I had some interest? If you weren't going to use it, why do not you give it to somebody else to use it? You don't even believe what you said. You're twisted and lazy. Give what he had to the person who has 10 now because he produced five, made five more. And people say, oh, that's not fair. He has 10. See, you have to understand God expects production. He always gives more to the people who are producing. Well, I want more. Produce. Use what you've been given. Oh, I don't have anything. Well, you know how Jesus feels about that now. Use what you've been given. See, one of the important things pray that Ephesians 1 prayer I told you about earlier As it opens your eyes and you understand what you've been given. Go with me to Romans chapter 11, verse 29. You know, I had notes. They're good. You can look at them on the app later if you want to, but I'm all over the place today, so enjoy them. Be blessed. Romans 11, verse 29. Romans 11, verse 29. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Another translation is, For the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. Meaning God doesn't take it back just because you did something stupid. And in context, he's addressing his call upon the nation of Israel. Where there's some people back then, there's some people still today, er, er, they think about this in such a way that it's so wrong, it's dangerous. Because they'll start saying, well, God is done with Israel. No, he's not. That's called replacement theology. That is evil. That is horrible. That's close to what Hitler believed. That's close to what some of these other groups believe today, and that is horrible. That is twisted. It will lead you down the path of darkness. And so here he's saying that God's plan for Israel is still going to come to pass, even though they had rejected it at one point, even though they didn't do what they were supposed to do at one point. God said, my plan for Israel is still come to pass for the gifts and the calling of God without repentance. You see, the thing is, if you allow people to get you to believe that God is done with Israel, soon they'll come after you. Because if God can't use Israel anymore, he can't use you. Don't fall for the lies of the serpent. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Now, I saw this before, but I didn't see in a certain light until a couple, the other week during the conference, and Brother Phil Driscoll began to talk about this uh, Back in the back room And Bishop and him began to talk back and forth And Brother Driscoll shared about it in his session But he said, I noticed this morning That gifts is plural But the calling is singular as God gives you many gifts But one call And they began to talk more and more And share, and here's what I took from it Don't let your gifts take you out of your call Don't let your gifts take you out of your call. Why? Because some people follow their gifting and not the calling. Just because you may be gifted in that area does not mean that's the area you are to pursue. But the gift becomes like a shiny object. Ooh, ah. You're following your gift and you miss your call by a mile. Your gifts were given to you to fulfill the call. Say, my gifts were given to me to fulfill the call. That's why I have you praying that Ephesians 1 prayer, so that you know what it says, the hope or the expectation of his calling. That word calling is not a deep spiritual word, it just means an invitation. What has God invited you to do with your life? And all the gifts he's given you is to help you to fulfill the call. You might say, well, the gifts are so diverse and they're so various. It helps you for the call for different seasons of your life. I still remember my grandma told me this all the time growing up and I was in college in classes I did not want to be in. You know, there was one class I especially did not like, but I had to take it for my majors, just part of it because it was a Bachelor of Science. So I had to take this, I forgot what the actual class was called, but it was called, I just called it Earth class. You know, I thought it was going to be kind of interesting, but we were studying rocks. Did not pay attention that much. I, I tried. Like, you know, I was like, you know what? It's already going to be a lot. I'm going to sit on the front row and pay attention. The slideshow began. This is a tree. This is a rock. This is a rock. This is—I was knocked out on the front row. So after this, I'm going to sit in with my friends, the soccer players in the back. I'm going to watch from here. And so what I did in that course is, you know, I was like, you know what? I started texting my entire family, like literally the entire family. I was texting everybody, hey, how you guys are doing? What's up? And it was an early class. People were like, why is he texting so early? I said, I'm in rock class. I said, oh, hey. I'm texting literally everybody. <laughs> and my grandma texts back one day and said, hey, just know God will use even this. God will use everything that you've learned for the sake of the call. I didn't do that well on that first test, just to be honest. They put 40 rocks in front of me, and they said, name them. Rock, pebble, stone, mini boulder, crystal, like, it was bad. I needed extra credit. (laughs) But you know, they had an extra credit class, or extra credit trip, to one of the laboratories of George Washington Carver. Huh. Going on that trip, seeing one of the places where he worked, learning what he did. And then I'm narrating all this stuff, and they're looking at me and saying, You know what? You should narrate our rock museum, (laughs) which the narration is part of my major in media. So, although I was studying about rocks that I've long forgotten about, but the impact of going to where George Washington Carver was and learning how he was an innovator left a greater impression than me than a whole semester worth of classes. So you can be in something like, I don't know why I'm here, I don't know why I'm working this job, I don't know why I'm doing this, I don't know why that. It may not be forever, maybe for a season, but there's something in that season that God will impart to you that sets you up for your future. God never wastes anything. He doesn't waste talents. He doesn't waste abilities. And so, like, I had various abilities grow up, various things that I liked, various things I was interested in, from arts and entertainment to media to a whole bunch of stuff. And then, you know, I was a media major in college, minored in business. i already graduated ministry school, so I was a media major. And people were like, we know you're called to preach. Why are you a media major? And then 2020 happened. And people say, like, we understand why God told you to be a media major. Come on, think, get this. I was a media major at Oral Roberts University. I better learn how to preach to a camera for that matter. ago and for what they have there. It set me up for what I'm doing now. So God may have you on a path that you say, well, people don't get it and I don't even know why I'm doing it. But if you know God is telling you to do it, you stay faithful to it. That's part of that cultivation because God will use it again. It may not be next. It may not be in five years or 10 years. Remember, God dwells outside of time. It could be something 30 years from now, and all of a sudden, that one random season that you call random comes to a place where you need exactly what you learned there. God doesn't waste anything. Our job is to learn and to see the different giftings He's given us to discover, go through the discovery process, that's one of the things you want to do with your kids. Go through the discovery process. That's why exposure is so important to children. You expose them to different environments, to different education, to different experiences so that they learn, so that they can see, that they realize the world is bigger than just what they see every day. It's part of that discovery process. But that's not supposed to stop once you hit 18. You're supposed to continually go on this journey throughout your entire life, discovering things. As you go through these discovery things, you realize there's some giftings on the inside that you didn't know were there. And then you realize you have all these giftings for the purpose of fulfilling the call. It may seem random, but before I close, can I tell you about my favorite superhero? Because y'all know I like superheroes, right? I really do. It, it, it's, it has been a consistent thing. I even preached about superheroes on Sid Roth's broadcast. It was great. <laughs> so my favorite one of all time is Batman. Superman's a close second, but Batman is my favorite. And the thing is, he doesn't have super strength like Superman. He doesn't have super speed like the Flash. He doesn't have any mutant abilities like the X-Men. But what made him one of the greats, the top three of DC Comics, was that how he, he trained himself, the discipline he applied to himself, and how he learned to marshal all his resources for the sake of what he was doing for the sake of Gotham City. He would marshal all of his resources, everything he had, everything he learned, all of his contingency plans to fight evil. And the thing is, you have so many giftings, but you have to marshal them like Batman marshaled his resources for the sake of filling your call. But to do that, that's gonna take a greater level of thinking, a higher level of intellect. And the thing is, to do that, you don't have to think like Batman. But you can do what 1 Corinthians 2 tells us and beyond. Have the mind of Christ. With the mind of Christ, the mind of the anointed one, you can marshal all those giftings together that you've been given. All of those talents, all of those abilities, all of those things placed on the inside of you, you can marshal them together for the sake of fulfilling the call. And the mind of Christ has an operating system. It's called the wisdom of God. And that's what we're going to in Faith in the Morning, our daily devotional this week. By using that mind of Christ and operating in the wisdom of God. One of my younger brothers, he does a lot of things. Uh, one of the things is he is an award-winning filmmaker. And so he started saying this years ago and told him, I'm going to copy it. I'm going to take that. Because he's talking about, you know, the Bible says we have the mind of Christ. I like to say it, I have the creative mind of Christ. So that's how he approaches all the films he's doing. I have the creative mind of Christ. We have to think higher. How do we do that? We base our thinking off of the Word of God. And we begin to talk the way we should talk. So we're going to talk about the mind of Christ this week on Faith in the Morning, as we go back into midweek, and operating by the wisdom of God. Because that's how you live above. Because sometimes you don't need a great act of power to be supernatural. Sometimes you just need wisdom. Come on, if you're in the boardroom with a bunch of executives, depending on what the problem is, you don't need everybody to fall out. You don't need a sign of wonder. You don't need an angel to show up. What do you need in that boardroom? Wisdom. Because what you say can save them and make them millions. And when you open your mouth, they listen. So where'd you get the idea? The wisdom of God. Because one of the things we read earlier in Proverbs says, I dwell with witty inventions. Remember, the wisdom of God is creative in nature because God created the whole world by wisdom. And so you may be in a situation where it says, well, no one has what I need to get the job done. Well, if you turn to the wisdom of God, it can create for you what you need. Remember, it says the whole, all the worlds were framed and created by the words of God, by faith. That's that faith chapter, right? So faith and wisdom combined created everything. He said, well, I'm missing stuff in my life. Well, you go to the word of God. You spend time with God. You get your directions. And then you ask, him, what should I say about this, sir? And that's what you say. And that's only what you say. You don't talk against it. So, well Father that's what I said And after you say Father I thank you that it's coming to pass We'll talk about it either this week or next week The power of your words You can frame your life by the words of your mouth Some of you are like I don't like the way my life looks Some of you should just be quiet for a week Things will get a lot better Because some of us Our greatest enemy hasn't been that serpent We talked about at the beginning of this message The greatest enemy has been inner me Come on, have you limited your life to the trauma of your past? Have you limited your life to what someone told you was your limitation? Have you limited your life to what that teacher, that guidance counselor said you were going to be? Have you limited your life to what that parental figure said you would always be? Have you limited your life to what you've seen, to what you've experienced? And said, I cannot go beyond that. God has more for you. I remember something that Rick Renner told me years ago. He said, there's somebody on the other side of your obedience. You might say, well, I'm in the middle of a storm right now. Yeah, you might be. It might be like the storm in the beginning of the Gospels when Jesus was asleep on the boat. Knocked out. So why is he knocked out? He preached all day. He needed a nap. Some of y'all need to be like Jesus. Take a nap. Chill out for a second. The disciples shook him awake and says, don't you care that we're about to die? Now the affliction, the pressure of circumstances, may be them question the love and care of God. And that's what affliction is designed to do, make you question God like the serpent did. But they were missing the miracle that was in the midst of the storm. Because the scripture says the boat was filled with water. What happens when a boat is filled with water? They missed the miracle because of the storm. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. That's, they were going to the other side. They couldn't let Jesus continue his nap. But they're sloshing through water in a full boat trying to get to Jesus. And says, wake up. Don't you care about the dying? You know, you know how you look at people when they wake you up suddenly? Can you imagine the face of the Messiah like, really? He gets up, and it says he rebukes the wind. What did he do? He took dominion over the wind. And what was stirring it up was a demonic power. We don't have time to get into that. It's Mark chapter 5. He bound what stored up, and then he told the ocean, shh. Because the word peace actually means hush. And everything he said became still and calm as glass. See, he knew the oceans and the wind was not created to destroy. His operating in dominion took it back to his original function. And then he looked at his disciples and said, what's wrong with y'all? How come you don't have any faith? What does that mean? Jesus fully expected these 12 men who haven't been redeemed yet because Jesus hasn't died and rose from the dead. They've been authorized, they've been around Jesus, but they're not filled with the Holy Ghost. They can't speak in tongues. They don't have all the scriptures you got. But he fully expected those twelve to deal with it. Because if he didn't, why would he say, Well, where was your faith? And why did he expect them to have faith? He just preached all day long. Mark chapter four. And talks about Satan comes for the word. Satan came for the word, and y'all didn't do nothing. Where'd your faith go? He fully expected them to deal with it back then. Don't you know God expects you to deal with your storms today? So what should I say to my storm? You take some time in prayer. You get into the Word. of God, what do you want me to say to it? And that's what you say. Well, what if the storm doesn't stop? You chill. Take a nap. Keep doing what you're doing until it stops. Because the boat may fill with water, but you're still going to the other side. It's like when Peter walked on the water. You know, it was a storm again, and Peter, was, Jesus was walked on the water, and at least Peter, you know, we talk about Peter, well, he sunk. Well, at least he had guts to get out the boat. John through Judah said, no, nah, Peter, you go, boy. We're on the boat. And so Peter begins to walk to Jesus. He's doing something that only Jesus has done. Jesus walked in the dominion of Adam. And Peter begins to walk to Jesus, because Peter says, Jesus, if it's really you, give me the command. Tell me to come on. So he said, well, come on. And so, yes, Peter walked on the water, but he's really walking on the word. So he's walking on the word to Jesus in a supernatural way. And then he begins to look at the wind and the waves. And when he took his eyes off Jesus, he began, and say so he sunk all the way, he began to sink. Now, is it easier to walk on the water when it's calm? or when there's a storm. Doesn't matter, it's irrelevant. Because you can't do it. So some of the wind and waves you're experiencing right now, respectfully, it's irrelevant. Because it does not determine what God has called you to do. Yes, it's tough. I'm not making light of your situation, but I'm telling you your situation is not greater than your call. Your situation is not greater than your command. His command to Peter was come on. Now look at the wind and the waves. Stay focused. Obey the Spirit of God. Do what he's telling you to do. But inflation sounds like a wind. Recession sounds like a wave. Do you see the protest? Sounds like some winds and waves. See Russia? Yep, that looks like a hurricane. Does not change your call does not change your obedience, does not change the gifting, does not change the calling. It doesn't change the promise of the giftings and calling of God are without repentance. Stay focused. And fulfill your call as a superhuman. Because if you've been born again, you're no longer a mere mortal. Stand to your feet. Praise God. Oh, Father, we thank you for your word. Oh, we thank you for your word. Oh, we thank you for your word. We thank you for encouraging us, for correcting us, for helping us. Father, but I pray this week that you help us not just to be hearers of this word, but to be doers of this word, so we can be blessed in our doing. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to go encourage your brothers and sisters in Marietta today and someone handed over to Pastor Kurt. But you need to do what God's called you to do. You need to go forward in your calling because there's somebody on the other side of your obedience. There's somebody who will see Jesus because you told Jesus yes. Don't, get, don't be distracted by the storm. Keep moving forward. Amen. I believe today's message encourages you, it's strengthens you, it's helping you to live the lifestyle of faith. If you're ever in the Metro Atlanta area, we love for you to worship with us in person. You can find information about our different locations at FCCGA.com. Also, we have so many different ways where you can get the word. You can download our Faith Plus app. You could also visit us on our social media pages on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook